There was a case of a 10-year-old boy in Australia who threw his friend into a river in the year of 1998, causing him to drown to death. A debate arose about whether he was responsible or not, says Bussy, a developmental psychologist. The judge didn't hold the child responsible for the conduct because he argued the child couldn't differentiate the crime from everyday childish mischief. Children are usually known to be playful and energetic and are often seen as symbols of innocence, but in a different light, children's innocence can be bigger hazards because they don't know what they're doing wrong or when they're doing something considered socially unacceptable. A boy who could not even drive himself to places or pay the bills of his house has done an act that should not have been done, not even by an adult. Maybe he thought his friend could come back up after being thrown into the river. I mean, they were joking, right? Or did he actually mean it to push him into the water with full bad intentions? No one knows because the outcome of the situation has been kept confidential. Hello, my name is Irene. I'm Esther, and you're listening to our podcast, The Criminal Times, where we talk about controversial topics without any socks on. You'll never know, so let's get on with the show. But before we get started, we're going to play a snippet of an interview I did with my good friend Abe. This is his response to being asked about his thoughts on the criminal justice system. Question is, what are your thoughts on children and the criminal justice system? Um, like I said, I'm not as versed as I'd like to be when it comes to criminal justice. But with that being said, from my perspective, uh, sorry, children in the criminal justice system, tried as adults in a court of law, is pretty inconvenient. Can you elaborate on what you just said? Oh, yeah. So it kind of uh, minors from accessibility to vital programs and facilities like education and schooling and um, they're denied by incarcerating children with adults. And uh, it just hinders their development. I mean, it's rare for young children to commit a crime that is jail-worthy, but of course, everything comes with an exception. In an event that happened last October, an eight-year-old boy in Alabama strangled a toddler to death. The police had said that the boy had viciously attacked the toddler because she would not stop crying while her mother was at a nightclub. Adding on, an Alabama lawyer and a member of the Southern Juvenile Defender Center's advisory board, Gary L. Bloom, had said, when you're charging an eight-year-old boy whose head is basically like Play-Doh, to include the most serious charge just seems to me to be an overcharge. The United States Supreme Court recognizes that kids are different but it's a hard thing for law enforcement to realize that kids are different and prosecutors are part of the law enforcement machine that we have in this state. The key phrase in the quote said by Gary L. Bloom is that the child's head is basically like Play-Doh. The brains of these young children are still not fully developed, so their decision-making skills are not that great. Like when adults say, you're a child, so you can't do this or you can't do that. It's a bit condescending, but... They're saying this because children still lack the ability to choose the right decision and live their lives. Here's a transcript of an interview with Fagan, who is a professor at Columbia's law school and is a co-director for the 
Center of Crime, Community, and Law. This is him explaining how the minds of the kids are far more differentiated than adults. He says, there's consistent social science evidence from developmental psychology and social psychology that kids think and act differently than adults. Their ability to resist the influence of peers is diminished. Their ability to foresee the consequences of their actions is different. Their ability to regulate and control their emotions and their impulses is different. All of which adds up to a very different kind of behavioral makeup than for adults. They would approach a situation, reason it out differently, and in most circumstances, act differently. This eight-year-old boy and the other children are left alone along with his toddler who is crying nonstop. Everything about the parent of the eight-year-old boy was kept confidential, but we found out something about the toddler's mom. The toddler's mom went out to a nightclub along with one of her friends. She stated that she never wanted to leave her child with an eight-year-old, which was denied by the judge of this case. This irresponsibility of the parent is probably another reason why that her child has been murdered, not just because of the bad decision made by an eight-year-old. Though beating up the toddler to death was the worst option, the eight-year-old boy had made a decision to beat up the toddler until she kept quiet. It's obvious the little boy should be strictly disciplined, but he has the right to not be tried as an adult in the court of law. You bring up a good point. This also alludes to the infamous question of if evil is the nature of man or nurtured by environment. Naturally, it can be argued that children are still growing and learning from their mistakes. Their brains are physically not developed, which can impair a number of functions of the brain, which could also in turn cause the behaviors we conceive to be evil by nature. Studies actually show that brains typically do not develop efficient and mature executive functions until the age of 25 years. And in 2018, a study was published in the British Medical Journal showing that children in custody in Western Australia were more likely to be suffering from brain-based disabilities. The frontal lobe of the brain is responsible for many things, but most importantly, self-control over impulses and behaviors. It is the part of the brain responsible for both basic and complex decision-making. If it is damaged or impaired, it can lead to symptoms such as the inability to problem-solve, impaired judgment, and changes in behavior. Adding on, 89% were found to have at least one severe neurodevelopmental deficit, meaning that 97% of young people have better skills. Mental illnesses can also impair decision-making, and the court should be more understanding of that. Instead of putting these mentally ill children in jail and incarcerating them, the court should be more understanding. The kids won't get the help they need in prison, and they won't get a proper education either. A factor out of their control is what causes them to behave accordingly. The same study shows that 65% of these young people in custody appeared to have suffered widespread brain injury and were demonstrating pervasive brain dysfunction. This means that as the children grew, their mental ages did not and were similar to that of a 5 or 6 year old child. Their learning and growth is impaired, causing these children being tried as adults for serious crimes, such as homicide, would be considered unfair. Their lack of development, and in many cases their disabilities, leads to an unfair trial. 
One could argue, like in the evidence data earlier, that the parents are to blame. Children whose minds are essentially blank slates, as described by John Locke, could just be mirroring what they see at home, soaking in behaviors and tendencies like a sponge. There are a plethora of hypothetical reasons for a child's behavior, but regardless of any reason, children learn from their parents and the people around them. Others may also argue that unless a parent actively helped the child commit the crime, they should not be held accountable and that no one takes responsibility for their own actions, especially if they are minors. However, children being incarcerated in this particular situation is a much bigger concept to grasp than simply not wanting to take responsibility for their own actions. Say that, for instance, a child who has committed a crime was sentenced to prison. That child will have a life where he or she will no longer see his or her future and be locked up in dangerous, harsh conditions for a very long time, or even forever. Literally, there's no more hope that they will resume a life with any meaning. Now, this is a very cruel punishment to children. Sounds more cruel to children even though the adults receive the same punishment, doesn't it? These restricted children who are not allowed to drive before the age of 16, vote before the age of 18, sign contracts, and need parental guidance for almost everything should not be held responsible to go to jail. In the interview mentioned above, Fagan elaborates by stating a scenario on how sentencing a child to jail serves more than one consequence to the child. He states, assume that you're locked up at the age of 16 for life. You have no ability to develop any social ties and meaningful social relationships meaning that emotional relationships to anyone who you don't already know at the time you enter prison, other than the people who you meet in prison. So this has a number of consequences. One, if 16 to 25 are real, really critical formative years, then these kids are being socialized by other convicts, many of whom have done terrible things. So their socialization trajectory is really going to be fairly predictable. Second, to the extent that they do grow up and reach 40 and 50 years of age, all those people who they knew when they were younger will go to the wayside. Many will die. Family members will die. It's unlikely that their ties to younger cousins or neighbors are going to sustain over such a long period of time. So by the age of 40, they're in there by themselves for the long run. Children receiving the same punishment as adults is the detriment of their future. These types of punishment children receive are not beneficial to them in any sorts of way, but cause more damage socially and psychologically. When children are sentenced, their social ability will decline as they're not able to develop and make connections with a wide range of people, whether they make a positive or negative impact on them. They will have no one to be emotionally linked with or even meet people with different points of views. Even after the child completes his or her sentence in prison, he or she will find no difference in living in prison or in the outside world. Living isolated from society is no easy task, especially not for a group of children with no adult supervision whatsoever. This was the case for the boys in the book The Lord of the Flies by William Golding. Being in a state of constant arousal, the boys were in survival mode. After they killed Simon, who was nothing but good the entire book, Piggy and Ralph converse about the events of his death. They say, that was murder. You stop it, said Piggy shrilly. It was an accident. That's what it was, an accident. Past knowledge of morality tells the boys that murder is not an easy topic, but Piggy dismisses it. Even without adults to tell them what's wrong, they knew. But in the moment of Simon's death in the storm, 
Everyone was so enveloped by their own fear, they didn't realize it was Simon or that it was wrong to kill. Adding on to what Esther said, the boys were put in a difficult situation filled with stress and danger and were extremely let down. Without the guidance and leadership of an adult, the boys had no one to tell them what was right and what was wrong. Because they are less experienced in the world and are worth 6 to 12 years of wisdom, they lack a sense of judgment. Previously mentioned, their brains are not fully developed and physically not capable of making the right decisions. They should not be judged because they really don't know any better with no one to guide them. Simon symbolizes what we as a society view children. As mentioned before, they are often viewed as symbols of innocence and purity. Before, they were only dipping their toes into the vast ocean of violence, but Simon's death facilitated the boys' movement across the line from order to anarchy and civilization to savagery. You heard what we had to say about this idea of kids being punished. From the previous interview with Abe and Esther, Abe talked about his view on the situation. So statistically, children in the adult criminal court are said to be more prone to the risk of assault and death in prisons and or jail. And regardless of their crimes against society, do you think a punishment like this should continue? Uh, no. Um, why not? Um, it just, uh, like you said, um, assault and death isn't that cool for kids to see at a young age in development. And if they're minors, they're really susceptible to um, bad things. So, yeah, it seems kind of immoral to punish a child for, or incriminate a child for that, and have that being the consequence. Um, what do you think should take the place of the punishment we have now? Uh, some sort of program outside of the criminal justice, or it would probably be a part of the criminal justice system that just helps kids develop. Consider being an advocate to provoke change in what the criminal justice system for children looks like today. Some ways to help are to inform people about what is going on and spread the word. There are also petitions to sign in order to reform the corrupted system. Thank you all for listening to this episode of our podcast, The Criminal Times. It was an honor and I actually really enjoyed this week's topic. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.